right, this is Gary Parrish again from CBS Sports. It's now uh, Monday, December 28th. This is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini, and uh, hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you just had a terrific Friday. Not much happened in the world of college basketball since we uh, last convened. Only one game Saturday. It was Louisville at Kentucky. 40 minutes of uh, basketball, 40 fouls called. Kentucky won 75-73. Damian Lee uh, finished with 27 points in a losing effort. And Scal uh, Labissiere finished with two points for Kentucky. And by Sunday afternoon, uh, that had become the story. Uh, thanks to our buddy Adam Zagoria, quoting an NBA scout who shredded Scal in a way that drew a response from John Calipari. Here's what the scout reportedly told Zagoria, and then we'll talk about it. Quote, no strength, no toughness, no game. Comes off the bench, plays 10 minutes, had two points, three rebounds, 0 for 3 from the floor. Shot an air ball and an easy hook. That guy is what you call a paper tiger, a mock draft myth. He's an effing fantasy, that guy. Uh, Zagoria reportedly told the scout that Draft Express uh, and is now projecting Labissiere as the fifth pick in the 2016 NBA draft. He used to be number one over at Draft Express. The scout said this, quote, He's not number one. He's not number five. He's not number 51. That's a joke. He's not going to play anymore for Kentucky, I don't think. There's nothing he could do. The Louisville big men are mediocre at best. Truth be told, they're below mediocre. He couldn't do nothing with them. He's a fraud. The thing is going the other way fast. End quote. Sam Bassini, what do you make of this? <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a quote uh, <laughs> by that scout. We'll, uh, we'll say that. Uh, most scouts that i've spoken with don't talk with that way um and and, i mean by all means that's certainly adam's prerogative to report that i I think that uh, he absolutely made the right call reporting what he got from the scout um it's yeah my, my brain like i don't think it's overly harsh uh by any stretch but the way that he speaks of scal makes me think that he's only seen scal for like a 10 minute sample in this game and then like maybe a little bit like during the season um most good scouts have been watching scal for you know three years four years uh they're very familiar with him in a way that i got the impression that this scout wasn't and that's what i'm just like kind of throwing this away i'm just like this is you know one I guess there are probably like 500 to 600 guys in a uh, in the NBA right now, as far as front office between scouts, basketball ops departments, analytics departments, everything. Uh, I guess there are around like 500, 600 guys. Um, that's one 500th or one 600th of the opinion on Scal. Uh, I would not take too much away from that uh, by any means. I- I'll tell you this right now: Scal this year uh, entered a draft that happened tonight or tomorrow afternoon or, uh, you know, maybe on Friday for New Year's. Uh, he, he would still be a top 10 pick, uh, in my opinion. At the very worst, he'd be a lottery pick. Uh, the upside is just too great. Uh, he's too good of an athlete. He has too much potential whenever you get him out in space in ways that Kentucky isn't really using him right now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I understand Scout's frustration with him at the moment, but this was over the top it wasn't overly harsh it was just over the top and dramatic and silly in a way that i have personally not heard a scout speak of a prospect before yeah calipari took issue with the harshness of it like you don't talk these are kids you don't talk about kids that way no i don't, I don't agree with yeah that. i don't necessarily agree with that either but it so i don't i wasn't bothered by the harshness of the quote 
I, I was just bothered by the dumbness of the quote. He's not yeah. 51st. Like he's not the 51st pick. What are you talking okay, about? Here's, here's who I have at 51st on my board. Right. Right. I have Sean Long from Louisiana Lafayette, right. which, you know, I just wrote about actually. It's pretty funny that, and I really like Sean Long. Uh, he's also a 23 year old power forward who has a bunch of defensive issues and is not nearly the prospect that scout is. I love Sean Long. I, you should go read the thing I just wrote on Sean Long's journey to get to where he is, but he's not scout. Right. Like, no, it just is what it is. No, Norlander, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Scout could, um, uh, Tear, intentionally tear his ACL today. Like just decide he's going to tear his ACL and go do whatever you have to do to do it. Develop a drug problem and still be picked in the top 50 of the 2016 mm. NBA draft. Drug problem, Mike. <laughs> My, uh, minor drug problem. Okay. <laughs> he is definitely, listen. Like what are NBA, we talking about? He's not the 50 the NBA scouts, he is, he is simply dripping with potential. Uh, back when we recorded a podcast well before the season started, I had mentioned that, you know, for anyone that had not seen Scout play yet, you'll notice that he has a skill set that is NBA ready and offensively in a lot of ways that is very much true. Now, it is vexing. There is clearly something off with him. I don't I don't fully get it. Um, he it's not just like his weight. And we talked about that last week. Like eventually he can and will gain weight when he gets to the next level. I get all that. But like sometimes he's having a whole trouble trouble like even handling the ball uh, like it's it's definitely bizarre um i'm not uh, first of all i'm i'm all in favor of talking to scouts and getting scouts takes and in a lot of cases they've in almost all cases they have to be anonymous because the scout wants to keep his job and like he, honestly well he, you he just, you literally stupid. cannot comment yeah uh, like there's nba protocol that you cannot comment publicly uh like on nba prospects so it literally go. has to be anonymous right. okay um so for anyone that wanting to kill the scout for that, that's even that's off the board. Uh, you can't like <laughs> listen. The quotes are extremely over the top, um, and I, I I don't get that. Listen, I I totally get if some if a scout right now was like, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, I'm not taking a chance on scout in top ten right now with what he is. I I totally get that. Um, but I also agree that if we had a draft tonight, he would be a top 10 pick. It's just, it's, it's undeniable. Um, but to me, the issue is, can he fix this, this season to make Kentucky a better overall team? Because I think that they will be short of their potential without that. I like, I don't have issues with the, with the scout killing scowl because honestly like they do listen you're a scout you're you, you got to be harsh you can't always wear rose-colored glasses because you know you're trying to bring on the best possible players and project as best as you can to the next level and that means being honest with yourself and being as critical as possible uh in the face of all the good that you can see these guys mm-hmm. doing because sometimes the college game can mask uh, or at least deflect away from what you think will happen at the next level. I think Scal will get better as the season goes on. I don't think that he is going to get to the level. We had him as a first-team All-American. He's not going to get to that level. I don't think he he can uh, possibly make up that much ground. But I trust John Calipari as a coach and what he's been able to do, and he's had a lot of big men that have had a lot of success. So I, I expect him to to turn it around to a certain point but it is definitely interesting how when you watch him play and you see that he's not starting and when he's on the floor he's not the player that we have seen in the past it's definitely totally confusing and it's got there's got to be you know there's something in his head i don't know i mean just 
And is he be, is he this bad? I want to know is he this bad in practice too? Like is it is it entirely this, or is it simply only when it comes to game time? When he's not starting, that indicates to me that it's also happening uh, when we're not seeing him on camera, and that his practice habits or what he's doing in practice maybe isn't as good as what it, what it would have been two three months ago. I guess I would say this um, clearly: he's not been great in practice either, or, or else uh, he wouldn't be yanked from the starting lineup. He has not been good. Um, I, I think some of it is. Um, I, I, th- I think you can actually attribute it to two different things. At, at this point, let's make it three. At this point, it's in his head. Like, it, in, in, yeah. uh, why wouldn't it be? I mean, you're 19 years old. Um, you've been projected as a lottery pick forever. Um, you know, you come from Haiti. You've got a real opportunity, a real opportunity, like an actual opportunity to break a cycle of poverty. You know, there are a lot of people uh, relying on you, whether it's actually stated or not. You're going to change people's lives. And suddenly it's not going well. You, you were always supposed to go in the you know, top five of the 2016 NBA draft. And everything that happened between then and now, um, it, it was supposed to be simple, relatively speaking. And yet um, it's not going that way for him. And, and that's got to mess with your head. It would mess with my head. Um, beyond that, he didn't play basketball really for two years. Like he has not played, you know, he, he was hurt his junior year of high school. And then his guardian nonsensically transferred him from ECS in Memphis to Lausanne in Memphis. Now, listen, Lausanne's a great school. ECS is a great school. But uh, he did it for motives that, with motives that were, let's just say, uh, not the purest. And so uh, Scow hasn't played ba- real basketball in two years. That, that's an issue. I also think, and Sam, you could maybe speak on this a little bit better than I, um, Seth and Doug, Seth Davis and Doug Gottlieb were on CBS on Saturday. And... I think Doug asked Seth, what does Scal do well right now? And Seth said, um, attack the offensive glass. And whether that's true or not, that's not the point. I wonder if the correct answer to that question is this. Um, the, what Scal does well are things that Kentucky isn't asking him to do. Like, yep. I, I wonder how much of that is the issue. Like, he's a bad fit with the way Kentucky is playing because John Calipari likes his bigs to be bigs. Mm-hmm. And and Scal, even though he's seven feet and technically listed as a center, I believe he's a pick and pop fo- power forward. I mean, that's yep. I think I think that's what he, I've always thought. That's what he's going to be in the NBA: a pick and pop power forward. And they're not using him like that. They're not using him in space. And um, I, I think all of those things are factors to what we're watching uh, so far. Be a disappointing freshman season. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. I mean, we kind of saw the same thing last year a little bit with Carl Towns. Uh, through his first 20 games, Carl Towns, I think, only scored in double figures like seven times. And then uh, in the first four games or something, there was a stretch of four games like in, you know, January. I think it was like it started in like mid-January where Carl Towns averaged something like five points and like three rebounds a game while playing like 20 minutes a game. Um, It was masked behind the platoon. I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I think – we weren't on Towns as much because he wasn't seen. Uh, he certainly was not seen as a top three pick coming into the season. And then with Kentucky mm. having the undefeated season and consistently winning and winning by double digits every freaking time and yeah. the tune system, I think that's part of why. And, and with Towns, he wasn't as. Uh, listen, Towns was never as bad as Scal has been. I'm that's not saying that no, he hasn't. This. Because I'm just he's, providing a little more context for sure. anyone that might be curious. That's all. He's he's not because he can provide value defensively and he can rebound the ball and he's just a bigger body. He's more physically developed already than Scal is. Right. Um, 
the problem with Scal is that, yeah, uh, I would say that he is very good at the things Kentucky doesn't really utilize him in. They don't really utilize him in pick and pops. They don't get him out into space. They, you know, when you see him run the floor, uh, he, he's getting up and down the floor. Like there was that play uh, in the Louisville game, for instance, where he beat everyone down the floor. I think Tyler Eulis made that ridiculous uh, pass to him, and he's kind of lost the ball when going up for it. That's a confidence thing, I think. Um, and, and as he continues to get comfortable with the college game, I think that that that'll come along. But uh, as far as whether or not I, he should be playing a lot, I, I will say this: uh, Kyle Tucker at uh, the Courier Journal in Kentucky tweeted during the Louisville game that Scal probably shouldn't be on the floor right now. Uh, and I do think I agree with that to yeah. an extent, actually, because uh, the problem with Scal is right now is if he's not confident offensively, uh, he doesn't provide any sort of rebounding ability because he can't establish position. He doesn't really provide a whole lot uh, as far as rim protection. He's good from the weak side, rotating over. But uh, the rest of the defensive problems are definitely evident because he's not real sure where to rotate and stuff. And again, I think that goes back to where what Gary was just talking about. Uh, he didn't play basketball for two years. That's why I thought that, you know, we had those conversations during uh, the preseason about uh, All-America. And I, if you remember, like I was like this first team All-American seems a little bit high for Scal. No, you guys, I think I think fourth. really I was out there by myself on that one. Yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't think that that would be a thing. Um, but I did expect more at this point. I'm not going to lie to you. Like he's been very under a rotation spot at Kentucky right now, and that's a significant problem. Uh, and especially whenever you consider the fact that, as I've mentioned a few times, he's already, or I don't know that he's already 20 years old, but he's relatively close to being 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And that's something that'll kind of set alarms off for scouts in that he's an older freshman, uh, gives you less time to develop. Your growth curve is uh, already a little bit higher up on that bell curve. Um, but having said that... Uh, it's way too early in the season. We're 12 games in. Uh, like I said, I think on Twitter yesterday, NBA scouts have so much larger of a sample size than 12 games uh, at Kentucky on Scalabissier. Even I have a larger sample size. Even Gary does. Even Matt does as far as what we've seen from Scalabissier. Um, I think that taking the opinion of one scout who... And like I said, this is just me speculating, but based on what was said to Adam Zagoria, it, it seems like there was uh, a little bit of a lacking familiarity with Labissiere's past and with what he's been able to accomplish in the past and that he's basically just going off of the Louisville game and uh, maybe some other games this year. And I think that's not the case with all scouts. I think that's not the case with very many scouts, to be honest. Let me so yeah, let me that's where I would go. Let me touch on uh, two things you just said. One, um, I think the most important thing, it's very early. Like, what are we talking about? You know, Kelly Oubre couldn't, was buried on Kansas's bench Mm -hmm. um, for most of the early season last season, he still ended up as a lottery pick. He's playing right now in the NBA. I'm not Ubre. Ubre went 15, but okay, okay. So right there, just... still a top 15 pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, in Andre Drummond averaged 10 points and seven rebounds in one year of college. Now I think he's averaging 18 and 16 in the NBA. DeAndre Jordan came off Texas A&M's bench. Uh, Drew Holiday. Average single digits. Steven Adams was just a guy at Pitt. Now he's a rotation player on a, 
uh, title contender. My point being, and and I, I think Mullins had a way worse season than Scal is having right now at Ohio State during his freshman year, and still went twenty uh, fifth or so in the right, draft. Right. So like, like I listen, barring something like injury wise or or red flags that I don't think exist. Uh, he's a first round draft pick. I don't. I don't even care how the rest of the season goes. He's going to be picked in the first round. Um, you know, judging any sort of prospect, you know, twelve games into their presumed only year of college is is just silly. It's a silly thing to do. And I guess I would tie it back to to what the scout actually said and, and what Adam Zagoria reported. Listen, I, I like Adam, um, and you know, if his uh, goal, and I don't want to speculate on what his goals are or were, but if his goal was to um, post something that would get a lot of attention, here we are, right? He got a mm-hmm. Hall of Fame coach to respond to it publicly, and uh, it was the, the topic of conversation last night in college basketball Twitter, and here we are on this podcast 17 minutes in, and it is the only thing we've talked about. But I actually don't think he should have run the quote, and here's why. Not because it was too harsh, but because it's 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 not indicative of reality, it's, it's, you know, like you said, there's probably 600 people who could be called NBA front office personnel, right? And they're not all good at their jobs. Like there was one Jeff Goodman quoted a few years ago around the same time of the year. You know what he said? There is, quote, no chance, no chance. That was a quote. No chance. Andrew Wiggins goes number one in the draft. No chance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, obviously, Wiggs did go number one in the draft and he was then the rookie of the year. And now he's a star, right? I mean, I think people now project him as a star. So like, not all scouts are good at their jobs. And whoever it was in November, December, who said there's, quote, no chance Andrew Wiggins is going number one in the draft, that guy's not good at his job. Whoever said Scal's not the 51st pick in the draft, that guy's not good at his job. And uh, I mentioned Seth Davis earlier. One of the things he does heading into the draft or at some point is he will talk to 5, 10, 15, however many NBA right. scouts. Mm-hmm. And then he'll, he'll get a con- – like, here's basically what they say. He doesn't take any one opinion. And he molds it like Plato. He gets yes. like 20 opinions right. and says, right. okay, it's not just one guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually one of the better – Not like he, Seth does good work, but that's one of the things every year that I make sure he reads because I know that he's diligently spoken to a lot of scouts from across the league at varying levels. Right. So mm-hmm. like you can get anybody, to, any one person to say any dumb thing and to, to then make it – you know, to then present it in a way that, that suggests it's um, – it's indicative of what NBA people actually think. I, I actually don't think that's a good thing. Like, I, I could probably find some NBA scout somewhere to tell me off the record, um, as a source, uh, that Steph Curry's overrated. Like, <laughs> but, like, what would be like that would be stupid, right? Why would like, you know? Like, I don't know. I guess. No, I, I, I'm yeah, with you. I, like I'm if, largely if, with you on that. Like, yeah, like if, if, if if what the scout said was harsh, but also an accurate reflection of what the NBA in general thinks of scout right now. I'd say, okay, whatever. But this was not, it was harsh, but more so than harsh, it's wrong. It's a wrong, the idea, to quote somebody saying, Scalabissier, it wouldn't even be the 51st pick in the draft is just wrong and it's dumb. And that's why I, if I would not have run that quote, I'll, I, you know, uh, harsh, I'll run the harshest quote in the world, but I won't run something that dumb from a single source. No, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I talked to scouts pretty regularly and I don't really report what they say to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not something I do. And like you said, it's basically just based on a single source kind of thing. I don't really think that it's useful in a lot of ways. Uh, so I don't 
do that. Uh, I understand why you would though. Like I'm, I'm actually not going to kill Adam for running it. Like I think it's. Oh, I'm not going to kill him, but like fine, I, I wouldn't have run it. But it's just not what I do. I'll right. say that. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I put right. it this way. I would say this. My big board that I release is more uh, a reflection of my opinions and a reflection of people that I talk to around the game uh, than you know quoting a single scat source sure. and writing an article on it. So did, no, Rick, did, did, did Rick Pitino yeah, flip the bird or did Rick Pitino <laughs> flip the bird or what in Orlando? Let's switch gears. Okay, so yeah, that's the other uh, big element from the game. Uh, by the way, it was a, a fun game, not the most well played game, but uh, I was burning up my Vine account because every every other play there was a fantastic uh, fantastic highlight from from either team. So the game itself was fun. Kentucky gets a a close win. Um, I did say I thought Kentucky win by nine. Louisville kept it really close and good on them. And Damian Lee looked uh, really good. Really stepped up for that for that team in Kentucky. Was kind of eh. down down the stretch. They were they were oddly out of source, but they were just able to, to hang on. So, and then Patino walks off the floor. And listen, if he had not addressed, it is not definitive. It to me, he flipped the bird, and it's pretty close that he flipped the bird, but. When we saw the video, we were we said no, we're not posting this unless someone asks him about it and he responds to the allegation. Well, Dana O'Neill got a hold of Patino, and <laughs> listen, I I was dying laughing when I saw the quote because Patino's explanation uh, was that he was saying that we are number one. <laughs> like, what well, that's even... the thing, right? Like, oh my like, God. That's you... basically admitting that it happened. Well, okay. you have to say, like, I was sort of on the fence. Like, I don't know. It's blurry. Like maybe he did. Um, the, the, the two things that made me think he probably did would be like, um, a, it looked like he might've, but B, <laughs> um, people in the crowd, like whoever was shooting that, they don't have a blurry view. You know, they have a clear view. They're like looking at a real human right in front right. of them. And yeah. they seem to think that he flipped the bird which suggests to me he probably did. But if he wanted to just come out and say, no, I didn't do it. People are crazy. Like, I would have said, okay, he didn't do it. But, like, when you say no, I was just telling him we're number one, well, that, that's admitting you flipped a bird, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, there are a few things. One, I can't even believe if you're Patino that you do this uh, because you know, like, in this age, when everyone's holding out a phone that has a video camera on it and you do that in public, especially Kentucky-Louisville, as 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 smooth as you might think you might be able to be just to get it like I understand it's got to really suck to be Rick Pitino to go back into Rupp. He hates going back into that game. He can't win. Kentucky's won eight of the past nine meetings. He's won an eight against Kentucky as Louisville's coach. Like without a doubt, I'm sure it eats him alive. He can't stand it. And he's a, he's a really, really true competitor. Pat Forty, credit to him killed patino for no showing at the press conference we can get to that as well but i don't even get how you think that you can try this move and it's not going to blow up in your face it's become the zapruder <laughs> film it's actually added another interesting facet to the rivalry between kentucky and louisville because now this this game will kind of go down in lore uh as as the game that where patino flipped off the fans and and by the way a second video you can see the story on cbssports.com chip patterson Posted it over the weekend, and I updated a link on Monday morning to a Facebook video from a secondary angle. We're going all, we're seriously, we're going all JFK, Grassy Knoll with this, but the secondary angle, you can see as soon as he does it, like a ton of fans start pointing at him. It's very reactionary, like they know what just happened. And Patino's arm goes up with such, such quick vigor that, I'm sorry, there's, there's little doubt. There's little doubt that he did it. And, um, I mean, it's it's funny. It's kind of crazy. Now, the move, 
if you guys want to move on to the press conference, that to me it's that's just bogus because right. he says he released a statement. He said, "I told our SID." 24 hours before the Kentucky game, that win or lose, I was not going to show up to the postgame presser. I am obligated to give uh, to to do that in conference play, but in non-conference play. Um, and for this game, I was just going to go on the local radio show. To me, uh, Patino deserves to get killed for that because you know what? You're the head coach. You should go to every press conference unless legitimately there is a health issue or some aberrational circumstance that prevents you from doing it. No ifs, ands, or buts, especially with the money that you make, you go and you show up at every damn press conference. If you lose by 90 or you win triple overtime, it doesn't matter. So he deserves to get killed for that. And so what happened was it was a, it was a compound thing. Is he, he flips the bird. We're waiting on the video. And while all that's happening, we see that he's not showing up to the press conference, which obviously everyone then rightfully piles on him for. First off, you mentioning the grassy knoll reminded me of the time you stood on a homeless man on the grassy knoll. That that, that happened at the final. <laughs> I stepped on a homeless man. You were standing on a homeless man in the middle of the night. Behind All right, the let's not. Hold on. This, this, is why, this is why Paris is a good storyteller, but, but also he can really – I was not standing on a homeless man like a child standing at the Grand Canyon trying to get a better view. I accidentally bumped into and stepped on a poor man without a home in the dead of night. <laughs> And heard a grunt, and I said, oh my <laughs> no, God, I think. Middle of the night, Final Four, we decide to go. I think it was after the championship it was, game. It was after the title. And, and you know who was with us? Zagoria. Oh. It all comes back. So, so uh, Norlander wants to get behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll to get a view of what it might have been like if there were a second gunman. And uh, he like there was, a, there was a homeless man like sleeping right next to the fence, and Norlander stood on him. Okay. <laughs> I will never forget watching you flip out. You had no idea. You, you, oh my god! Next thing you know, you're stepping on you're stepping on a, a homeless guy. Ah, uh, that was that was a classic, that without a so doubt. So but good. anyway, let's get back to Patino. Not okay, here's to- what I would say. One, what are you doing? Right, like first off, um, I, I think coaches and athletes, for the most part, you just if you react negatively to fans, it's never going to be good for you. Like never under any circumstances. You can act react playfully with fans. But negatively with fans, it's just a bad look. And this is especially a bad look because it's after a loss. You're the former coach at Kentucky. You're coaching at the rival. Like, it's just dumb. You know, it's just dumb. And Rick's smart, so I don't know why he did that other than he just could not (laughs) restrain himself. Um, Secondly, the press conference is just, like, you got to be there. You know, even if you're not obligated to be there, you got to be there. Even if you sometimes aren't going to do press conferences – which, I, you know, what I think you should be there, but like whatever. You want to skip the press conference after you beat IUPUI by 22? Fuck, whatever. Nobody's going to make a big deal out of that. But sure. you got to be smart enough to know if you skip the Kentucky press conference after a loss, especially after a loss, like it's going to be a story. So like you, you take the eight minutes, and this is where like, you know, Rick's got one of the best SIDs in the, in the country, and Kenny Klein. I, if I were Kenny... And perhaps, like, once Rick makes his mind up on something, there's just no talking to him anyway. So, like, whatever. But I, if I were Kenny or somebody, I would have just said, hey, Rick, I know you don't want to do this. But uh, even if Rick t- tells you 24 hours before the game, I'd say, listen, I hear you. And it is obviously your decision. But understand that, that um, we're an underdog tomorrow inside Rupp Arena. That means we're supposed to lose. If we lose and you skip the press conference, it is going to be a story. Like, it, are, are you comfortable with that? He, Rick, because if you're not, if you're not comfortable with that, you just got to go do it. Five minutes, eight minutes, how long it takes, just do the, we make it short, we make it four minutes. 
but you've got to do it or else you will spend more time explaining why you skipped the press conference than you'll actually spend doing the press conference. So like, let's just, this ain't the one to skip. And I, I uh, and again, perhaps Kenny's been with Rick so long, he knows that once Rick decides something, there's just no talking to him. But um, I, I, would, I would imagine that Rick took more time sitting down at a computer, assuming he sat down at a computer and typing into his blog an explanation for why he skipped the press conference than it would have actually taken to to do the press conference. So, you know, it, it's eight minutes of your life at most. And instead of spending it talking into a microphone, um, it, it's something people are talking about, you know, 48 hours later. It's just it, like too, uh, frankly, like from a smart man, too, too, uh, nonsensical decisions. Like you don't react that way to Kentucky fans if you're a Louisville coach, period, end of story. And and you show up for the press conference, right? I mean, you just got to be there. There's no getting around. There's no other way to explain it. You got to be there. Got to be there. And like Louisville made it a really good game. It's not like he got run out of the building. Louisville's had many, many worse losses under Patino playing Kentucky than what this was. They They played well. It was a fantastic, fantastic game. And as I said, it's just, you know, He's just uh, he's a crazy competitor. I get that, um, but uh, I just don't. I mean, I just don't get the and his explanation mindset behind not going. I, well, I, no, I, I how do you not? Well, that's the thing. Like, I just don't, I don't get how you don't for how you can't how you know when you flip the bird and maybe he <laughs> maybe he immediately regretted it and he was so hot in the moment and someone said something that like really disgusted him and he just couldn't control it. I totally get that. Whatever. So maybe that's what happens. But um, and then to just but you know that's going to be something like no matter what you know someone's going to get that and then you still say you know what I'm not going to go to the press conference. No, I mean that's the, that like you just have to sit down and go. If I don't go to this press conference, what's going to happen? What are people going to say? What are people going to think about me? And you just avoid that. You you know in life all the time we do things we don't want to do to avoid the alternative. You know like you 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 do things you don't you might not want to do because not doing it will create a scenario that you don't want any part of. That's that's the way Rick should have approached this. I don't want to do this press conference, but if I don't do this press conference, it's going to be a thing. Uh, not only in the state, but nationally. So I'm going to do the press conference. If you wanted to skip it after a win, at least people wouldn't paint you as a sore loser. But skipping it after a loss comes off the wrong way. And the fact that he's only skipped two press conferences this year and they've come after the two losses, like it's just it's just uh, not a good look. Sam, let me ask you this. Um, so Kentucky wins. And I don't even know mm-hmm. what, you know, they won, a, they won a game at Rupp over a team, against a team that was unranked in the preseason and still has no quality wins. So like, I'm not sure what it means. I think Louisville's better than any of us thought they were going to be. But like getting a two-point win over a team that was unranked in the preseason and still has no quality wins, like if you wanted to be skeptical of of that being a positive thing, I, you know, you can be. Um, what does it say? Is it a good thing or a bad thing for Kentucky? This um, they won. They beat it. Regardless of where Louisville should be ranked, they they are ranked in the top twenty, and and Kentucky beat a top twenty team. They got two wins now over top twenty teams. They mm-hmm. they did it. Scouts like a lot of Kentucky's preseason expectations, like number two ranking in the country. Some people had them number one. It was based on this at least three freshmen being being good or being really good or great. Um, Jamal Murray's all over the place. He has moments, but he is all over the place. Um, Isaiah Bresco didn't even play. And Scow was non-existent. Is that a good thing that Kentucky can still beat a, a, a presumed quality opponent with getting while getting basically nothing from their three freshmen, you know, most heralded recruits? Or is it um, 
is it a bad thing? Because if you don't start getting something consistently from those guys, and I recognize Briscoe didn't play. It's, it, it, it's not that he didn't play well. He just didn't play at all. He got hurt in pregame warmups. Um, unless you get those guys going, you're just not, there's a ceiling on what you can do. Like you're not going to be, you know, a top five team in the country if, unless you get those freshmen going, right? Yeah, here's what I'll say to that. I think it's definitely much more of a good thing because uh, you're giving these freshmen more time to just kind of mature and get better at what you need them to get better at. Uh, if you can have these guys like Derek Willis and Dominique Hawkins step up and really legitimately play minutes and meaningful minutes and in Hawkins' case, make huge shots, uh, in Willis's case, kind of get burnt by Damian Lee on the other end, um, you know, that gives these freshmen more time to actually uh, get to where they need to be. Uh, Briscoe, for instance, is a guy that has been really, really good defensively this year. And my guess is that this game isn't real close if he plays uh, because he would have gone on Damian Lee at some point and Lee wouldn't have gotten loose in the second half. I think he had like 14 points in the second half. Um, my guess is that Lee has a harder time with Briscoe than he did with Jamal Murray and sure. with Derek Willis. Um, Jamal Murray, like you said, Murray's, I think Murray's been fine. Um, I, I get the concerns. He's turned the ball over a lot. Um, the, the shooting it hasn't been as disastrous as I think a lot of people think it is. Uh, I mean, he's still shooting like 39% from three whenever the rest of the Kentucky team is shooting like 26% from three. Uh, so he's been fine to me. I, I get that there was a lot of hype about him. I, I still think that by the end of the year, he's probably an All-American. Um, Scal is the one that, you know, we've talked enough about Scal yeah. on this podcast. It's a significant problem that they need to address without Scal. Uh, the ceiling is certainly limited on this team, but having said that, if you can have a guy like Alex Poitras right. really play that aggressively all the time, I wrote about it in my preview, uh, for the Louisville Kentucky game. Like if he is playing aggressively and attacking constantly, he's such a good athlete and so strong for his body that, there he he's going to be able to score 15 a night if he wants to it's just a matter of him deciding to do it and uh that's like kind of a ridiculous statement uh, i hate when people say that a lot of the time but i really feel it's true in poitras's case like whenever he has confidence and whenever he's just attacking off the dribble and getting these bigger four and five men into space uh he's really a matchup nightmare for them and really a problem that very few teams are equipped to handle. So he kind of remakes them and makes them a totally different team when he's playing aggressively. And if he's going to do that, I think that they can be at least replace some of what they were thinking they would get from Scal in the assumption that it might not happen this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch them throughout the rest of the year. I think that they're ultimately fine. They're probably a top 10 team in the country. Um, if you don't have them in the top 20, I understand right now because I don't think they've played, you know, great basketball. I know they've beaten Duke. Uh, I know they've beaten Arizona state Louisville. Now those are good, solid wins, but all three of those teams still have a lot of question marks. So if, you have Kentucky uh, kind of in that group of question marks. I get it. Yep. But I do think that ultimately this is a top 10 team uh, talent wise and is a top 10 team, you know, based on what we've seen from them uh, offensively and defensively this year. Norlander, before we get out of here, let's look uh, forward a little bit tomorrow night. Top ranked Michigan State Big Ten opener at Iowa. They take their first loss there. Ah, man, that's I'm going to say no. 
I will. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think that will be a really good, really close game. Obviously, they don't have Valentine, so that's what makes it even even tougher to say. Um, Michigan State was pushed on a neutral against Oakland, and Iowa, you would think, is a better team than Oakland. I think that when we talk again on Wednesday, because that game is on Tuesday night, I think when we talk again on Wednesday, you'll still have Michigan State. Actually, that's my question. Will you keep them number one if they lose in conference at uh, a top 20 ranked Iowa team in Ken Palm without Michigan State's best player? No, because I don't know that they're really the, the, the best team in the country. They've just got the best resume in the country. And um, I mean, listen, you could reasonably, like I'll, I'll do the poll attacks later on this Monday, you could reasonably not have Michigan State number one right now if your explanation was simply this. Their best player is no longer on that roster. They're not the best team in the country. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's not what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to keep them there till they lose. Um, but when they lose, I, I, you know, particularly to um, an Iowa team that's that's good but not great, um, I, I think then it frees you up to to get them out of that number one spot. I don't believe they're the best team in the country. I know that I don't even know if they're a top fifteen team without Denzel Valentine. Um, but but you know the resume is the resume, and I uh, I. I I, I respect the resume for now, but if they take a loss at Iowa, um, they, I'll have a new number one, I believe. All right, well, we'll see. I mean, and we'll I, I do, and, and I, I do think I think they probably lose at Iowa. I think they lose. I'll say no, but I think it will be close. I'm going to say no, um, but barely. But you know, we'll chat on Wednesday before the New Year's rush comes, and uh, and then we can get into stuff like you know, Biggie has a nice opener on New Year's Eve with a couple couple of really good teams and we get into all right out. we we will talk again on wednesday then that'll be the plan and norlander between now and then try not to step on any homeless people can you promise me i'll that? try not are you gonna have another hey listen you try not to have um an 18th birthday party for your son okay? holy crap i'm glad his birthday finally happened he has been uh having celebrating his birthday the entire month the two-year-old it was finally his birthday was finally yesterday so we're over it but like he just ran what are you doing I'm 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 Facebook friends with your wife, so I see like you know she's either tagged in a photo or she posts videos, and every other day he's 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 blowing out candles in another cake. No, it's um it's insane, right? I think she just gets bored in those birthday parties every day. She um so like he really like walks around. You know, how sometimes people will walk around and like uh, randomly um, hum uh, like uh, a song or like a, a rap lyric or, or whatever. Um, like, you, yes. Or like Peyton, like, like Peyton Manning and the uh, Nationwide is on you. You know, like that? <laughs> yes. uh, Oliver walks around at the age of two and just randomly starts singing happy birthday to himself. Happy birthday to Oliver. Like he just says it over and finally, like finally had to sit him down this morning and have a talk with him. I'm like, dude, it is no longer your birthday. Your birthday is over. we got to come up with something else to do. And he started crying and, and asked for a binky. You ruined your son's day, GP. I know, right? I know, but uh, hey, hey, I've ruined, I've ruined bigger days than that for bigger people. No doubt, man. So it'll be fine. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'll talk Check to you guys out. Wednesday. I gotta go. Bye. All right, bye.